The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect, with many teams strutting their stuff. You might now be at a game this year. Either way, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. You are listening to the Bird Calls on the Armchair All American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search the Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Bird Calls. And our usual foursome is together. Uh, contributors Kevin Barrios, David Fisher, and myself, David Grubb, along with our editor-in-chief at TheBirdRights.com, Mr. Ali Coso. Gentlemen, we convened today to uh, hit on two topics. Um, but first, let's see how you guys are doing. Fish, how are you doing? Hey, enjoy, have, you, have you had an enjoyable Thanksgiving weekend? Oh, I've had a great weekend, and I have this week off from work. So this is really just the beginning Um didn't get a whole lot done outside of the house today with the weather being the way it is, but we got most of the Christmas decorations up inside the house and the little ones are excited for Santa to come. And they never go to sleep on time. No. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, we go to you. Did you enjoy your Thanksgiving uh, holiday and did you do anything uh, of note? Yeah, I did. Um, so Giovanna and I, Took a trip out to Crosby, Mississippi. Her dad's girlfriend is part owner of this old schoolhouse out there that's been like renovated into an art space. So there's a lot of art studios in there and like bedrooms in the old classrooms. It's like a really nice spot, kind of secluded in the woods with um, a big yard. It's so is this the spot that you went to last year? Yeah, we go there every now and then, you know. Yeah. And so we went out there. So it was small, obviously, because of COVID, we're trying to keep it tight. But it was her dad, his girlfriend, and his girlfriend's daughter, and her boyfriend, who they all live in the same house, uh, and then us. So, you know, we kept it pretty safe. And, uh, you know, the, all four dogs were there, and it was a good time. Uh, so we stayed out there for like three days, um, which, was, which was cool. It was nice to get away for a little bit. Oh, you didn't leave town, did you? I'm sorry, say that again. You broke up. I said you didn't leave town, did you, for the holiday? No, I, I didn't. I'm boring compared to these two over the last four days, but I'll take it. I wanted to just kind of unplug from everything, and I was able to do that, especially this weekend where I wasn't even around on social media, but for like a couple minutes here and there. You didn't miss much. Um, but for me, um, I was very busy uh, Wednesday. Friday and today I did color commentary for Tulane men's and women's basketball on ESPN plus. So that was my national debut at uh, doing such. And 
had a really good time doing it and we'll be doing it throughout the season. So uh, working with Daniel Salison, who does color commentary on the Pelicans radio broadcast. So a little Pels connection there. So that's been fun for me. Congratulations, Congratulations. David. That's great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Um, so the two things we wanted to get into tonight, uh, first and foremost, uh, the acquisition of Eric Bledsoe has led to a lot of conversation on social media um, about the position and the utilization of Juan Monzo Ball. This has been a controversy that goes back to the moment that he set foot in New Orleans. How is Lonzo to be used? What is best to utilize Lonzo's skills? So Pete, and we're asking these things as he enters his fourth season. Um, Fish, you did an intense analysis on this subject, so I'm going to let it start with you. Um, we've heard what Stan Van Gundy has said about Lonzo on podcasts. We've heard what he said in his initial press conference. How do you see Lonzo Ball fitting in with this roster this year? Okay, so how I see Lonzo Ball um, fitting into this roster is a lot how it was ex- explained and described by Stan Van Gundy in the in his appearance on the Low Post before the bubble started, which is Lonzo's going to do all of the things that he's good at. He's going to take the ball out of the basket. I mean, you know, push the pace off of rebounds, kick aheads, three quarter court lobs to Zion all of those great things. But then in the half court, we're going to see less of him on the ball. Um, He's, he's going to be more of a spot up shooter and somebody who moves it and attacks closeouts a little bit and less, you know, traditional point guard role of he's going to, you know, organize the offense you know, organize where people are going to be and running the pick and roll itself. I don't expect that we're going to see a lot of that, but also I don't expect that we're going to see a lot of that in general with the Stan Van Gundy offense, because it's probably going to be less reliant on traditional pick and roll than what we've seen and more motion based. Um, I, I think that that's good. I, I expect that Stan Van Gundy is going to do put his players in a situation where he tries to maximize their strengths instead of trying to force them into a, a square, a square peg when they're, when they're a round peg kind of player. So that's, that's how I see it. And I think one big thing is when I look on this roster, there aren't any big wing defenders who I would consider plus defenders outside of, Wenyan Gabriel, maybe. Um, so Lonzo Ball is going to have a lot on his plate defensively as well. Um, how do you guys see it? Kevin, let's go over to you on that. Um, because we've had this emphasis on positionless basketball, and I think folks are hung up in the label of Lonzo being a point guard. You can still be a facilitator and a creator, even if you're not the primary ball handler. And I don't think Lonzo Ball is ever going to be the kind of guy who, you know, wows you with um, dribble moves. But if you're playing in an offense, to me, it seems like where he's given an opportunity to attack closeouts and to get a defense in a shift where he only has to take one or two dribbles and either develop that floater that we've talked about him developing or still be able to drop passes off 
to Zion or to cutters going towards the basket or to hit people in corners, um, you know, for three pointers, then why is that necessarily a bad thing? I don't think it's a bad thing. And like, I also, I think when you look at, at Lonzo, especially when you hear what Stan Van Gundy saw in him um, heading into the bubble and you look at him as a catch and shoot three guy, a guy who can make really great passes from any spot on the, on the floor um, and as a guy that doesn't necessarily look to attack, I think you could look at him as the guard version of a Lamar Odom on this team. Um, you know, a guy that can hit some shots, has some playmaking ability, is a really gifted passer, a good rebounder, can defend multiple positions. Um, he's just a really good basketball player. Um, and he, sure, he has holes. Uh, but I think also the pairing with Bledsoe is actually quite interesting because I think they kind of fill each other's gaps a little bit in the sense that Bledsoe is a much better shooter off the dribble than he is in a catch-and-shoot situation. So with the ball in his hands uh, coming up court, he can put pressure on the defense as a threat, as a pull-up shooter. Um, Lonzo wasn't going to do that for you because his, his pull-up numbers were abysmal. Um, it allows and, – and then Bledsoe isn't a good catch-and-shoot guy, but he's a good drive-and-kick guy. So he can drive and kick to Lonzo for – for threes and just because Lonzo is maybe technically not the point guard anymore doesn't mean you're not going to see dynamic playmaking from him and I think that's the whole point of what they're trying to build here if you look at the start what we all think the starting five will be I assume we're all on the same page that everybody in their position is a, a pretty good or a you know top tier playmaker for the position that they play um so you're going to see a lot of guys that can create and a lot of guys moving, you know, I think it fishes, right. It's going to be very motion based, maybe not as pick and roll heavy, but I still think you'll see pick and rolls run with uh Bledsoe and Zion, especially if you get guys like uh, Kira Lewis in, in the uh, getting minutes, you're going to see them give him some pick and roll opportunities because that's something he thrived in in college. And then you do have Steven Adams and Zion Williamson who are great threats with that. So I think all of that will be incorporated. Um, but yeah, I think the fit of Lonzo and, and, and Bledsoe is actually quite good. And I think that you should just look at him as a quality basketball player, not necessarily try to pigeonhole him into one thing because he's going to be playing multiple roles uh, for Stan Van Gundy mm -hmm. in this offense and on this defense. Yeah, Ali, I look at it on the defensive side as well. Um, where Bledsoe is a is a very strong on-ball defender, the things that we see out of Lonzo defensively, his ability to cover a lot of ground, his ability to poke the ball out um, on drives from behind without fouling. We also know he can block shots at his size, and he is the most switchable wing defender the Pelicans have in that starting lineup. It just seems to me that, you know, let's just talk about him as a basketball player. However he contributes, if you're maximizing his ability, what do you care if he's the point guard or not? Thank you. Lonzo Ball, I feel like, can be a, a very impactful winning player. And we saw so many glimpses last year. But people get hung up on him not being able to drive, not being able to finish, get to the free throw line. Um, and before that, of course, it was his long-range shooting. And there was questions on his defense. But either way, we've basically gotten answers to a lot of these outside of his drives, but yet 
people still want to label him. So I know we're past that conversation now. And I just, I laugh when anybody just calls him, Hey, let's just make him a three and D wing player. I mean, then, then you're completely nullifying his playmaking ability and all these other intangibles. I feel like he brings, because look guys, have you forgotten the four factors that Dean Oliver wrote about? Right. I mean, Lonzo contributes a lot. Number one, rebounding. There's few guards that rebound like Lonzo ball on, uh, on BB ball index, I believe <laughs> they had him rated as definitely one of the top rebounders, um, regardless of position. Then there comes the shooting and his three point ball became one of the better ones. You know, I, I looked at catch and shoot shooters from last year and um, Lonzo ball finished 24th in, uh, in the most efficiency with uh, at least four, three pointers catch and shoot three pointers taken per game. Redick was one. I think Brandon Ingram was like 14. Alonzo Ball was 24th. Josh Hart was 32nd. So I'm going to write a piece on that. But So you feel like the shooting's there. But people also didn't realize this. His finishing actually improved to where he was finishing at a, a, at a greater rate, so more efficiently. Plus, he was actually having more attempts inside you know, the restricted area. I think that shows growth. So we don't know where that may end up, right? He's only 22. He may take another step this year, maybe not. But either way, he showed growth last year. So that's another thing. So I've got shooting and rebounding covered. Free throws, yeah, he's never going to have that. But turnovers, you know, that that's another important topic, to talking point. Because, yeah, he did kind of lead. It was one of the worst point guards, if you want to use that term, class one as a point guard, in committing turnovers, right? He's around 14% or something like that. Uh, turnover percentage but that's in the ballpark of Ben Simmons that's in the ballpark of a lot of good young players that have the ball a lot or even some veterans like Rajon Rondo so I don't think that's detrimental especially when you consider how many easy points he gets and creates for this team you know I did a little bit of digging and the uh, most assisted duo combination in the league this past year was LeBron James to Anthony Davis 184 assists well, Lonzo hit Zion for 70 assists, but that only came in 24 games. What AD and LeBron did came in 59. So if you uh, extrapolate, extrapolate that to those 59 games, then they would have been right there, right behind LeBron and AD with 172 assists, right? Lonzo hitting Zion for 172 assists. So I feel like you can't overlook that connection. I know David... We talked about this at the start of last year in the preseason, trying to point out how important it is for a player like Zion, who really may never become the playmaker you want, but at least initially in his first couple of years, he's going to rely on somebody feeding him the ball. And I can't think of a better example than how Lonzo helped Zion get off in that debut against the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, Zion made four threes, but you know what Lonzo was doing? He was he was making those touch passes to where the rhythm was on the court during that special three plus minutes of Zion to where he really didn't have to think, didn't have to dribble. You know, he kind of just caught it in good locations. Spurs didn't cover him like they should have and magic happened. I think that's what Lonzo brings to you. But as you mentioned, David defensively. Yeah. I, I mean, he does so much and as a potential, I should say to do so much, be the most important uh, versatile wing defender because boy, you look at this lineup, I'm still scratching my head how they're going to be able to guard opposing big wings in this league. But Lonzo's probably going to give you your best bet. Unless Ingram's stronger, unless Zion suddenly fleet a foot and has picked up a lot of 
you know, defensive nuances on where to position himself, what to look for, et cetera, then you're going to have to rely on Lonzo. And he showed that in glimpses. Forget the bubble, guys. Think about what happened once he found his confidence, wasn't injured after, say, the first two months of the year. So starting in December up to the pandemic, he showed us a lot. And so I would definitely not write him out or write him off. I wouldn't pigeonhole him into any kind of role. And I think Stan Van Gundy knows it, as Fish alluded to at the start. He knows what this guy can do, so he's going to give him the keys or, or allow him to do whatever he's good at, put him in those positions to succeed. So I personally can't wait. I really think Lonzo's going to be in for a good year. Too many people are underrating what this guy's going to bring to the Pelicans. Okay, let me go around the group with this. Let's say at the end of this season, Lonzo's averaging 14 points, eight assists, six boards, couple steals a night, maybe, you know, three quarters to a full block for the season. I'd be happy as hell with that. I'd take that right now. How would you guys feel about that? I'll start with Kevin this time. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with that. Anywhere between, like, 14 to 16 points, you know, seven, seven, eight, five, and six, something like that. Um, that That's perfect for me for what his role is. I mean, that's really – what you want because you're going to be getting a bulk of your scoring from Zion and Brandon Ingram. And if he's contributing in all those areas and still giving you uh, double digit points, then, you know, he's, he's a quality player for you and he's not going to be like a real high usage guy ever really. So that's, that's perfect for him. Yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback off Kevin in my article. I wrote, there's only six players that averaged 13, seven, and eight or better over the whole course of a season since the turn of millennium. Luca, Ben Simmons, LeBron, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Jason Kidd. And that's what Lonzo Ball put up um, in between, like I said, when he got found his game, that confidence felt healthy middle of December until the March shutdown from COVID. So yeah, if he does that, I think there's no doubt he's almost going to probably become a cornerstone, especially if he's giving it to you on the defensive end. And, Fish, you'd have to figure he's added something to his game. I mean, the reports are he started working out the moment he got back from the bubble. And he's been mm-hmm. at this the entire time. He had to have added something to his game. So, I mean, I, again, those numbers to me, other people may look at them as a disappointment, but I figure when you look at the, the context of this team, if that's what you're getting from Lonzo Ball, you have to be ecstatic. Yeah, I would be ecstatic if he was giving you that. And I think that that's, I mean, last season he was averaging, what, 12, 7, and 6. And that's over the mm-hmm. whole season. So I, I don't think you're asking a whole lot to bump him up to those numbers. Honestly, if you were going to tell me what has Zion, I mean, what has Lonzo worked on over the offseason, um, if, you know, if, if he was a 2k player and we told him, you know, Hey, work on these couple things. I, I would tell Lonzo, I just, I need, I need you to go and I need you to work on two things. One finishing at the rim. And the one thing I need you to do is just keep two hands on the ball longer before you actually go up to finish. He does a lot of finishing where he's holding it just with one hand mm-hmm. for like the whole gather and anything. And just, just gather with two hands and then go the football gather. Yeah, as we just as we call it, wrap it up yeah. and then extend. Yeah, just 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 gather with two hands before you go up, and then the second part is don't be afraid of contact. So work on your free throws. Now he got better at, at 
at, at the free throw line over the season. He shot 50, you know, just under 57%, which not great for a guard, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. But compared to the fact that he was shooting 44% from the line with the Lakers, substantial yeah, it improvement. It takes a process. Yeah, it's yeah gonna take- so just so just, just, do, just do those two things. Gather with two hands and finish better shoot better at the free throw line. If he does those two things, the, you know, he'll, he'll increase his scoring two points a game o- over the course of the season with very little change in his usage and, and pro- productivity in terms of how often he's using possessions. And then the next step on that is something that I would hope the coaching staff's going to do where he's going to operate less in the pick and roll and more on catch and shoot and attack closeouts because I like the idea of Zion attacking closeouts where you're just going to give him very binary decisions. Once it gets to the point mm-hmm. where teams start to really respect his catch and shoot ability, attack the at, attack the closeout, mm-hmm. and then that's where th- that puts him in a situation where he's you know gains the advantage easily, which helps him because he's not necessarily the most explosive athlete, but he's still a basketball savant. So once he gets that advantage, if he's willing to finish at the basket and so teams don't defend him in a situation that just says he's only doing this to pass, Mm -hmm. then, you know, other doors open up. And I think my hope is, is that that's what we're going to see from Stan Van Gundy's offense is that he's going to have a lot more situations where he is either attacking closeouts or catching the ball already on the move, not, I need you to take six dribbles back towards the half court line. And then we're going to walk up a big man. And then it's all on you. That's, that's not where I feel like you're going to get the best Lonzo ball. And, and what you're and describing. The Pelicans don't even need him to do that. Right, David, because Ingram no. can do it, run pick and rolls like Bledsoe too. So it's perfect. No, yeah, I mean, Lonzo to me is it's, it's, it's about two dribbles. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like it, if it's more than two dribbles, then Lonzo needs to get rid of it. Move it. He's if he's yep. crossing it over. If he's trying, and he to, does that well. Him. People don't give him credit. He does that well. I think. Right. He, I think he generally recognizes shots, guys, that that right? is not his thing. He he <laughs> doesn't try to take people and do a bunch of moves. You never exactly. see him going between the legs and trying to do things that right. he isn't going to do well. And that is everybody has a hole in their game. Again, he said everyone. There's not a single player in the league who doesn't have a hole. Somewhere in the game, some the holes are bigger for some people than others. But if you're Lonzo Ball again, with respect to his age, that he's just becoming 23 years old, and point guard, as I continue to say, is the most difficult transition position, and he missed the lion's share of two seasons. And last season, he wasn't healthy until two months into the season. Considering all that, it's incremental growth makes him an extremely valuable player to this team. But then the problem becomes the contract situation. He's, yes. an, he's, he's an impending free, a uh, restricted free agent. And the thing is, is that if a 23 year old, you know, NBA player, let's say Lonzo's shooting 38, 39% from behind the arc at this point, And he's averaging 14, seven and seven, for the Pelicans, um, and they're winning largely in an off-ball role. What's going to stop? Because I mean, let's be honest. As long as this is the NBA is his job, he should go get paid. And yes. and and how that's going to happen in restriction for, restricted free agency, especially in a summer 
you know, summer of 2021, where a whole lot of teams are expected to have a lot of cap space. And then some of those teams are going to swing and miss on the big targets. They're going to have all this cap space to use. And you're going to see essentially the asshole um, offer sheet from somebody way more money than you than you'd like to pay for Lonzo Ball. Uh, three plus one with a, you know, a player option, a 15 percent trade kicker. His agent honestly isn't doing his job if Lonzo doesn't get that from someplace. Absolutely. You know, and and people will say, well, it's clutch. They're going to do this, that, and the other. Well, clutch is no different than Scott Boris or or anyone else in that regard. Like you said, they're going to maximize his value. This is their opportunity to do so. And if it's a market that yields an overpay, just like nobody is going to blame Solomon Hill's agent ever. Solomon Hill's agent is the great. If Solomon Hill ever has a falling out with that dude. He needs to just like work that out and be like, I'm sorry, dude, you've changed my life. I, we, we need to be friends. So yeah, your agent, that's his job, but it's not only compounded for Lonzo. We've, we talked about this a little bit in our group chat, the Josh Hart situation looms over all of this as well. And his money, because he's also going to be in a very attractive target to other teams. So they're both squeezing each other in the, on the balance sheet. I think a lot's going to depend on how they perform as a team this year, right? If they don't make the playoffs again, it's great and lovely to talk about potential, but you got to pick somebody. You can't resign those and you've got Ingram, you've got Steven Adams. Uh, we don't know how Bledsoe is going to play out yet, whether they're going to keep him through the year, maybe flip him for another, maybe, you know, kind of a hefty uh, contract. So same with yeah, JJ. I think it's all up in the air, which is a good thing. I think these guys need to prove, to them and the Pelicans, to themselves and the Pelicans, prove their worth, right? So I have no problem with Lonzo doing it. But, yeah, with Josh Hart, man, I wish I could have gotten a deal done. Because, look, next year, you're obviously not going to want to pay him anywhere close to a max. But there's going to be some team that's going to come out with what do you guys think? I mean, it depends on, I guess, what the financial landscape looks like at the time. Is there a lot more losing? Look at the money that certain guys got. But either way, yeah, but you look at what happened this year. I mean, I think I personally think it's going to take at least 15 million, at yeah. least 15 million next year to sign him to a contract. Yeah. As to where this year, maybe you could have gotten him for less, right, on that extension. So I don't know. Yeah, Kevin. I mean, what do you think about those numbers? Because I think you know, after looking at some with some some players not as good as Josh Hart. No, he's not a franchise changing player. But teams are looking for dependable role players who can shoot coming off the bench and can defend multiple positions. He's one of those guys, and he's mature, and he's a good locker room guy. Somebody's going to overpay. Yeah, I mean, look at the Jeremy Grant contract. There, some Detroit is paying him twenty million dollars a year, and you know Josh Hart definitely rebounds. And Denver better. was going to match it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but I mean, Josh Hart rebounds better than him. Um, he's not as big as him, but I'd say he's pretty much as versatile defensively. Um, he's a better outside shooter, um, so. We'll, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I think 15 is about what you want to pay him, and that's probably what he deserves. Um, but, you know, there's going to be that threat of that overpay for sure, especially in, like you said, in a year where people have money to throw around. We've seen it happen many times. Um, and, you know, the, the top market's going to dry up, of course, and people are going to miss out, and guys, teams that miss out on the big names but already have like a solid core are going to be looking for guys like Josh Hart to come in 
and be consolation prizes and they may pay more than you're willing to. So that's the, the, the risk they run by not extending him before the season. Um, but, you know, also though, you know, Josh Hart, I think is a, I mean, look, money's money. So it'll change people's minds for sure. Um, but he does seem like a kind of guy who's a little bit different than your average player. And he does seem very happy here and he does want to, seem like he wants to be a part of what's happening here and he legitimately enjoys the city. So there is a chance that you might be able to get him on some sort of discount. I'm not saying a huge discount, but if it's like, you know, $3 million a year difference, uh, you know, that might make him uh, stay here if he's really happy with the situation that he's in, uh, as opposed to just jumping for that extra $3 million that some other players would. I could see him being the kind of guy who would do that because of his relationship with Brandon Ingram. And if Lonzo is kept around as well and part of the future, they, they have a strong bond. And, you know, surely this is an exciting up and coming team. And if you're happy in the you're living in living situation, then I, I could see it work out that way. Um, now, if somebody's offering him five to seven million dollars more, I, I think, you know, he's going to take that and run. Um, but we'll see. Um, it's just unfortunate because you would love to keep a guy like him around. Um, Here's my thing. Why don't you reward him, though, now? Right. He's proven valuable. I, I feel like he's earned a spot on this roster when you consider B.I. and Zion and their deficiencies. And, of course, you just kind of touched on Kevin, and I mentioned it in our DM. He was singing the praises of New Orleans as soon as he got <laughs> traded here. He was wearing, well, was I guess, story. was it sweatpants or something like that? He's well, always that talked. Was, remember Hollywood Griff said during his opening press conference that Josh was like, do not trade me. Yes. I, that, I know yeah. you're getting offers. And they were getting first-round offers for him. And he was like, I want to be there. Don't trade me. So for a team and a franchise that has had difficulties luring uh, free agents, wouldn't you want to set an example, a positive, good example, that you're going to take care of pe- people that want to be here and are worthy, valuable players? I feel like they need to do that. They've never done that ever since I've followed the team when they first moved here. So I don't know. I think they're missing out by not signing to an extension. There's time. That, that, I guess that would be the one thing I would say is that there's time. Um, they have to get it done still before the season starts. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the extension can be signed those kind of rookie extensions. They can be signed up until either the day, the league, the league season starts itself. So December Mm -hmm. 22nd or the day before. So they have, they still have almost three weeks to make that happen. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that it hasn't been done yet. Um, and I, I would lean towards the fact that I, I, I would hope that they're at least attempting to do it because, I mean, they can see the cap sheet the same as we can. Here's so, the thing so that I know. think would be – here's the thing that I think that would be the, the, something that impacts everyone's thought on this, whether it's his agent or it's the team. It's that mutual opt-out after the 2022-23 season for the CBA. Because if you think that if, – if the projection is – um, that the numbers are going to be more restrictive for player salaries. If that the, the players are maybe get a lesser share of some sort because the owners push back and say, we lost so much money over these two seasons. Then your agent is going to say, I want my money right now. Yep. I want to make sure a guy like Josh, who's 20, you know, a little bit older than the average rookie, 25. He's not, I mean, on a guy expiring on his rookie deal, he's at 25 years old. This may be his chance to get his his biggest deal. 
So if you're that guy and you're saying, I want that security for him for four or five seasons going mm-hmm. forward, then you're going to push to get it done today. If you're anticipating something else, you may say, well, the concession that the Pelicans would have to give me is that two, and then I'm out, you know, a player option for when the, whenever either in the 22-23 with the mutual or the 23-24 when, when it's broken for sure. So, I mean, I think that may be pushing a lot of guys now who don't know for sure where they're going to be in the long term to kind of try to figure things out. And a guy like Josh Hart would be certainly in that group that would be, you know, not expecting a max deal, but you want to make sure you get an optimal deal. Agreed. Kevin, do you have anything to add? No, I agree. All right, well, let's transition from that to um, how this rotation is going to end up looking. Um, Before I toss to you guys, I'm going to just say, and we've discussed this as well, the roster makeup leads me, in my mind, to some very unbalanced rotations. Um, That's just my thought. we, uh, We didn't see them go out and fill the... The spots, particularly as a for a veteran backup point guard, um, don't have a lot of experience up front, and you don't have another wing defender um, with a lot of experience. So I think that the, the the minutes distribution becomes very critical um, in in how this team sustains anything. Um, I'll even let you start, and, and just how do you see this the rotation playing out? I think. To start the season, Stan's going to uh, revolve mainly around eight guys. I've got it, and I'll just read off the minutes associated with each player. So Brandon Ingram, 34 minutes. Lonzo, 32. Zion, 32. Bledsoe, 30. Adams, 28. Melly, 15. Redick, 25. Hart, 26. That's a total of 222 minutes right there. So to fill out the remaining 18 to get to 240, I've got that 18 being split up somehow. Whoever I guess is, it's either matchup based on the night or just earns it, right? Through their play in training camp, preseason, and start the season between Hayes, Gabriel, and Nikhil. So I, I, I don't know. I don't see anything else much there. If Nikhil fails, I think Thornwell could steal some of his minutes maybe. If Hayes fails, then that opens the door even more for Gabriel or Hernan Gomez. But you just touched on it, David. The pig wing defender, lack of one, is a huge issue. And we can't expect for Wenyan to be ready for any kind of consistent role. So I have no idea how they're going to figure that out towards the back end of the rotation, what Stan's going to do. Fish, um, Steven Adams is a guy who's only top 30 minutes a game twice in his career. Uh-huh. Um, that's, you know, so – but when you look behind him on the Pelicans bench – and as I just said, not a lot of experience there, um, and particularly not a lot of defensive acumen there. Um, Correct. How do the Pelicans avoid overtaxing Stephen Adams because of the way he does play, the physical nature of his game? You don't want him on the floor for 36 minutes, 38 minutes, and situationally, he has to be off of the floor. Yeah, it's it, it's difficult because when I'm looking, like w- we still kind of apply gentry kind of rotations to this, and I expect that 
unlike Gentry, Stan Van Gundy is not going to lean as heavily on let's go small and super fast. Right. Like like it was in the previous regime. I have the rotation very similar to um, how how um, Ollie broke it down. But I, I think, I mean, Gabriel, I think, is going to be too slight to log minutes at center. So they're going to, I expect you'll still see some Zion at center minutes where he has somebody who's like, power forward-esque, either Nicola Melli or Wenyan Gabriel beside him. Um, I don't think that that's going to be nearly as heavy of of a featured kind of lineup. Like you can't was. have a lot of confidence with Melli and Zion as your interior defense. You say, no. Wow, somehow so, for some reason training camp. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be between Hayes and Hernan Gomez. Um in terms of in terms of getting a good deal of those reserve center minutes behind Adams, and then I, my my expectation is that Gabriel very quickly will surpass both Jackson Hayes and Nicolo Melli in the rotation, and the Pelicans are going to settle in on, in on a top eight of Ingram Ball, Zion Bledsoe Adams, with Hart Reddick and Gabriel coming off the wow. bench. And that's kind of their their eight that they believe in. And then from there, you get some either Hayes or Hernan Gomez, depending on the matchup, depending on if Hayes is in the doghouse of – well, not not the doghouse. It's going to be like, I don't know what, the litter box because he's chasing you know the laser pointer defensively. Or Hernan Gomez, who also not a very good defender, but maybe you can at least expect him to be in the right spot and stand there with his, with his arms up. And then there will be some guard-like minutes that are available around that, and it'll, it'll be between Nikhil Alexander-Walker and, and Kyra in terms of who, who's going to get those minutes. Initially, I think Nikhil's going to get his opportunity to show that he he deserves those minutes. Um, but, I mean, I, I'm with you. The, the Pelicans' rotation right now is similarly precarious to as it was last year going into the season. They are depending on Steven Adams to be healthy and available and give them 26 to 28 minutes every single night so that they can be competent defensively, which is the same thing they asked of Derek Favors and Derek Favors due to some injuries. And then the tragic passing early passing of his mother um, wasn't present. And we saw what happened. They lost 14 consecutive games. All right, listen up fellas, because today we have a new manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. Take a look in the mirror. I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven pubes. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Have you ever pulled your nose hair out with your fingers? Ouch, that might hurt worse than nicking your balls. Yes, you will get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. 
Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Thanks, Manscaped, for keeping our pubes trimmed and hairs in our holes looking nice. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. What are you waiting for? Go whack those weeds. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might now be at a game this year. Either way, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Fail Better. David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. 
on Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Kevin, let's, let's look at two things here. The backup point guard position, which has been something that has been a problem for the Pelicans for years. Um, if you're starting your two primary ball handlers in Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe, who is going to lead that second unit? Are you comfortable with turning over the second unit to Nikhil Alexander-Walker? And in second, we've heard this talk about Brandon Ingram playing more at the two spot. If that's the case, then your primary backup at the three, Josh Hart, is somebody who can also be overmatched by bigger and taller, more athletic wings. The Pelicans really don't have somebody to come in and defend at that spot. Those two things are really concerning to me in, in how they give these minutes up. Foul trouble at any, either one of those positions, point guard or at the three, it could be a long night for the Pelicans. Definitely. Um, when I look at this, I see a team that can possibly be a playoff team this year, but I don't necessarily believe that it's 100% the goal. I think a lot of this was setting up for next year when you see the Steven Adams extension because the Steven Adams acquisition really handicapped them cap-wise and adding to what they needed to fill those holes. But next season, Steven Adams making a much lower salary uh, helps you out a lot, and it answers some questions for you. But getting back to your first question, the backup point guard thing, I'm not – really comfortable with handing him over to the young point guards at this point. Um, I think clearly with a shortened preseason, uh, a shortened off season, a shortened preseason, a short, only two preseason games, no summer league, you can't expect Kyra to come in and play much at all at the very beginning. And I would assume that if the Pelicans do participate in the G league bubble situation that they have going on, that Kyra will start the season over there. Uh, getting some reps uh, for a few weeks before he even comes and joins the team on a on a full scale uh, basis, and Naw will be given every opportunity to get those minutes. And I think there's going to be, you know, fifteen to sixteen minutes for that young backup point guard. And then once Kyra has some experience, I think he'll come back and they sort of rotate that out. Um, you know, some games Naw gets that, some games uh, Kyra uh, Kyra gets that. Um, and, you know, it's working towards development to see what you have. And it's similar to what's going to happen with the center position. I think very early on, you're going to see the battle for minutes between Hayes and Willie Hernan Gomez. And if Hayes loses out, um, then I think the Pelicans don't have much choice other than to try to trade him then to get you know, some draft capital to then pair with another draft capital to maybe go after a wing like Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter or a player like that to fill in those gaps uh, for this season. Because if Hayes 
can't beat out Hernan Gomez, you know, he's not he's not going to be a stretch five. He, he doesn't project to be that. He hasn't shown any real flashes of that. Um, and if he can't rebound and defend better than Hayes, then you already have Adams locked up for three years, and he's definitely going to play two of those years for sure. Maybe he becomes a trade chip later on. Um, you know, there's not a lot of minutes for Hayes, and you need to fill other holes. So uh, I think those are the biggest training camp battles to look at. But I do really believe that this year is sure we're going to try to win and we have a roster that can win. It's very top heavy, um, but there's going to be a lot of problems. I think you're still going to see B.I. play a lot as a four, let more as a four than as a two, unless you're telling me that in the starting rotation, Lonzo is going to be guarding the, uh, you know, the wing and, and um, Ingram's going to be guarding the two. That I could maybe perhaps see in certain lineups, but I think you're going to have to see a lot of those gentry-like rotations just because of the pieces that are on the board. Um, and you know, Kevin, let me just ask you this: so if let's say let's say if that's the case, isn't that just the starting lineup? Because you'd have to have either you've got then in that case either it's Nikhil at the point or it's Bledsoe who's at the point, which is your starting lineup anyway, because they're playing three in that group. So it just it's it's hard to imagine that that's the part that gets me is how do you have a Lonzo Ingram at the two Josh Hart at three lineup, which feels awkward to me. You know, what I mean? like I'm, that's the part that I'm having trouble twisting my head around. If somebody help me here is if you are going to play Ingram at the two and Griffin and, and Van Gundy have both said it. How do you balance that out? I don't. I just don't see how they can with the construction of the roster right now. It just seems impossible to really do that, unless, like I said, it's just that where Lonzo's guarding the three and and Ingram's guarding the two because of matchups. But in terms of functioning on the offensive end, it, it, I just don't see it see it working that way. It 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 just doesn't make sense with what I, what else is out there on the board. What, what, it, it's it's difficult for me to figure out what they mean when they're talking about Brandon Ingram is more of a two guard because I feel like he played offensively as a two guard last year a lot. Um, I mean, there's not a whole lot of difference between uh, uh, between being a two guard and being a small forward offensively in terms of where you get the ball and where you operate. I, so I lean towards when they're talking about that, they're talking about what they're going to do with him defensively. Right. Um, and am I thrilled about the idea of Lonzo ball having to guard, you know, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron right. James, those, those kind of, those kind of guys. No, I'm not thrilled about it, but I don't think, I mean, the Pelicans at this point don't need to worry about playoff matchups. They just need to be have a, a roster that's good enough to win enough games to be reasonably in the conversation and, and within striking distance of the play-in games. They're not building a playoff roster at this point. And I think one of the things that we are seeing with how they've built the roster is they're going to put a lot – on the shoulders of Brandon Ingram in terms of creating shots for himself and others yes. and Zion Williamson. They, they have created essentially a starting lineup with three guys of minimal usage at their positions with Bledsoe, Lonzo 
and Steven Adams. And then the guys that are come that are going to come off the bench, also low usage guys like JJ Redick isn't a high usage guy. Like he's going to get off his shots and, and things like that, but he's, he's not creating for others. Josh Hart, he's, you know, going to grab rebounds and be a one man fast break and stuff like that. But in the half court, he's not a high usage guy at either. None of the other guys on the rosters are high, roster look like high usage guys either. So I think a lot of it is they're going, I think when you look at what they've done, the plan is we're going to build around these two guys. We're going to ask them to carry the load because Brandon Ingram's, you know, starting his second contract. He's going to be five years in the league. It's time to go be a big boy. And Zion Williamson's supposed to be the second coming. So at some point you have to take the training wheels off and drew holiday to a large extent functioned as training wheels on this roster. And now that he's gone and replaced with, two far lower usage guys it's it's time to for them to demonstrate that they can be the tent poles of the franchise that we have you know posited that they that they can be and it it might suck for for a great portion of this season but also through that failure are they going to you know are they going to be forged into something better and maybe that's part of the plan too between you know the front office and Stan Van Gundy. You can't tell these stars that they're stars and you're gonna pay them like stars and not put the responsibility of being a star and being you know the cornerstones of the franchise on their on their shoulders if if they want to be all that. And that's one of the things Stan Van Gundy's talked about. You need to t- tell the players, you know, if you want to achieve the things you want to achieve, not just contract wise, but in the league, if you want to have the certain reputation, if you want, you know, to achieve your goals, guess what? It comes with more. And I think how that plays out for the Pelicans long-term is good, but to an extent they are, making sacrifices for for this season and even with the drew trade and what they got in the drew trade where it's very future asset heavy they're they're still not in a hurry i want to jump in real quick and say a couple things uh i think there is a clear-cut number three usage guy on the pels and that's going to be eric bledsoe i think we're going to see a departure from his numbers up in milwaukee you know where he basically really did take a back seat and a lot of things, but he's going to resemble more of the guy we saw with Phoenix. It's not going to be as high of a high usage. I think he was roughly around 28% when he was with Phoenix, about 22 with Milwaukee. So I think he's going to jump up into that 25 range. So that's going to really help, and I think that's um, going to help be helpful for the second-man units. I guess he's going to be running the point a lot when Lonzo's not in the game, especially if Nikhil or Kyra do not prove worthy of getting minutes in uh, the regular rotation. And the other point I want to make real quick is one thing, reason why I included Hayes and I wasn't as iffy as both Kevin, you and Fish was for the simple fact that I felt like there was some kind of growth, some kind of chemistry that people started talking about between he and Redick. And we saw that in a lot of pick and roll action where they were really successful, right? So I have a feeling that if Hayes makes some kind of, you know, just a little bit of improvement and Hernan Gomez or Gabriel not head and shoulders better than Hayes, then Jackson's going to get those minutes at the start as part of the regular rotation. 
like I said, because of that connections there. And of course, hey, he's the number eight pick. And the Pelicans kind of have to still show that they're not giving up on the kid or anything like that. So just wanted to add those two quick pointers. Well, well, well they've, they've already told us that they're giving up on the kid. No. They traded two second rounders for De- Derek Favors to be the starting center. And then right after that, Derek Adams Favors was signed lost. for three years. Jackson was always going to be a long-term project. He wasn't supposed to play last year. Right? Yeah, so but that long-term you project, you're talking immediate. about you're pushing Jackson Hayes at this point to his second contract. That goes from a long-term sure. program project to something. But are you going to play you're there. not giving up on a player completely is what I'm getting at. There's still value to be extracted from him and hope for growth, for an, for, right? Where he was picked, if you're waiting for three more years for him to be of real value? You're not necessarily waiting the full three years, but I'm saying there's leeway there. I don't know. Not if, not if I took a guy that high. I I think, think what else do you do? Way. You sacrifice the asset? You bail on him early? He succeeds elsewhere? No. They're good. Some of these assets, we talked about this. You can't keep everybody. Yep. So who are you, with this money? No, who but are my you problem keeping? is putting Hayes That's, next to Hernan Gomez, neck and neck, I don't think it's right to, from my vantage point, to say that they're you know unequal footing basically in training camp and whoever plays a little bit better is going to get the minutes. I don't see it that way. That's what I'm saying. I don't think you can afford. I don't think Stan Van Gundy came here to lose games because of bad decisions. Like if he's going to lose games, it's going to be because the team got beat. And I don't if whomever the guy is who's making good decisions is going to be playing. And I don't think that if if David Griffin is going to try to mandate to Stan Van Gundy who is and what minutes they play, then I don't think this that relationship's going to go very far. I also I mean, think no. Just real quick, don't you think that Stan knows? Hey, I got a really young roster. I can't be as maybe you know disciplinarian or whatever kind of adjective you want to use to describe accountability is not being mean i mean he's here to his job is still to win games absolutely and if a guy's not doing his job he can't just put him out there like you don't have time they can't David, I understand what you're saying, but think what you're saying. So you're saying Hernan Gomez is going to be head and shoulders all the time. I'm not saying Hernan Gomez. I I didn't say Hernan Gomez. I I am concerned with everything behind Steven Adams. I am concerned with everything behind Steven Adams. (laughs) Okay. I'm saying they're all a little bit more teaching than I feel like there's credit for. And I I just think that they're not going to completely all of a sudden throw Hayes to, you know, to the end of the bench. I think if anybody, if you have to bail on anybody, because you've got Lewis – and Alexander Walker as Lonzo insurance. That's what you have them for. Because if Lonzo does have to go, if you can't afford the price tag, you either have one of them to give away, or if Lonzo stays, you have one of them to give away because you won't keep both. Or if Lonzo does go, you have both to develop, and you keep Bledsoe or whatever, and you have a veteran along with those two guys. But... There's going to be is not insurance for anything at this point, because if Steven Adams goes down and you have to play Hayes 30 minutes a night, <laughs> no, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So Kevin, I mean, you if, wanted if, to jump in real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Kevin. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, Sorry. I cut I you off say that this, like, I think this season is going to tell us a lot about how Trajan and Griff approach sunken cost. You know, like if, I'm not saying that Hernan Gomez is going to beat Hayes out in training camp. If he does, if Winnen Gabriel beats out Nicola Melli, if Naw doesn't take a step, how long will they hold on to these guys 
and force the coach to deal with them instead of moving them on for even if they're selling them low just to create cap space to bring in other guys that fill holes like a veteran point backup point guard or a wing defender or a stretchy four that this team clearly needs uh, to compete right now. Uh, I'm not letting as I said, I don't necessarily think competing right now is the, is the 100% goal of this team. No for way. This. Yeah. No I way. think we're setting up for next year to be the real season where we're really trying to compete. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they deal with sunken cost. If they're willing to cut ties with these guys, if they know you know, if, if Hernan Gomez can beat Jackson Hayes out for the minutes, I think that Jackson Hayes is a sunken cost and needs to be moved. Um, that's my opinion. Um, and I think if when Gabriel can develop an outside shot because he can actually defend, it makes Melly uh, a sunken cost as well. So we'll see what well, happens. Melly's going in the final year of his deal, so. Yeah, the, it's not as bad. You can spin Melly for something. But you can, you know, even if you could, even if you pay like a second to to move off the salary, just so you have cap flexibility to be able to add another player that's actually mm-hmm. going to contribute. Because right now we can't even add a minimum contract without going into the luxury tax. Right, and it says a lot so, about you know, what they think of Melly at this that. minute, right? Because they didn't move him out to create a little more space, so which I, I don't understand. That that I don't understand. Those are. Let me. Let's he knows how to play the game, David. We quick. saw that. What he knows how to play the game. He was so inconsistent. I don't care what he knows. I want to know what he does. But you gave leeway to Lonzo by his injury. Remember, Melly said he was coming off knee surgery this past summer, and and he didn't look right. He says said that, and then he but bounced also, his legs. He never showed. Remember, the coaching staff told us too. You had to tell him to shoot. Oh, you sure. had to get him at to the start do, of the year. He, yes. He wasn't a very good rebounder. He's not That a was defender. the biggest surprise. They thought he, he was He doesn't be a pass rebounder. the ball well. And and let's still remember, he never averaged double figures overseas. Never. Never. No, but so I thought he showed a lot of improvement after the new as, year. Do you think he's do you think this is a team that has nobody on the front court who you think could come in on a regular basis and give you double figures? Can he give you double figures on a regular basis and coming off the bench? Points? Is that what in points. In points. On a regular basis. No. I don't believe it. I don't believe he's going to give you double digits off the bench as a big, getting good minutes. If he's getting regular minutes, I just don't see it. I don't see yeah, Melly making that most of his offense league. comes from the outside, so I agree with you there. He doesn't get to the free throw line. Yeah. So then, what's, then he's, re- he's also replaceable. Like, these guys, there are so eh? many guys on this team who you he's can a stretch just say big. right now. Is he, though? Is he, though? Yeah. That's the job they said he – that's what he's advertised as. But is he a stretch big in this league? Not a premium one. (laughs) I mean, but he fits the definition loosely enough to me. Yeah. He's white and he's tall and he he has finesse. That's that's the definition for him. It's not his game. He didn't show a, a great proficiency to me from shooting from the outside. He had a couple every now and then. He, he had one hot stretch pretty much they carried all the weight. Yeah, it was him. a January and February, right? Something like that. Yeah, when when the whole team was on fire. Like so I don't know, but I mean the 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 thing is is that we to the Pelicans like the roster there's going to be substantial amounts of turnover every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at just where the roster is right now, I mean, there are multiple guys that we predict to be like 
un, undeniable rotation guys that have contract questions coming into this year between Lonzo, Josh Hart, and JJ Reddick's an expiring contract. Like those three guys, we we need to be honest with ourselves. If two of those guys are on the roster on opening night next year, that would be a pretty impressive feat and possibly mm-hmm. the result of a substantial overpay. It's more likely that just one of those three guys is still a Pelican on opening night 2021. And which one is it going to be? Um, I, would I know say probably friend, Reddick is the least likely. Like we, yes. I think you would cross Reddick off. Immediately. Yeah. Um, so and it's I would between say that Lonzo Hart's, and Hart. And Hart's probably the most likely, um, just because of, of what he brings and the possibility. It's it's less likely that he's going to get, you know, the terrible unmatchable contract, especially if the Pelicans can lock him into an extension before this season starts. What if the Pels get up to another crappy start? You think JJ Reddick makes it past the trade deadline? No past no. the trade deadline even if they're no. playing mediocre well if, the, if they're like if they're if they're on pace for like 24 wins then no i don't think jj's hanging around because well but see that's the problem with, with trying to figure out griff because last year you would have thought move each one move each one he's not playing he's an expiring he's move getting dmps for weeks man that's surprising right? And it didn't happen. So that I, so there are times when I can't figure out what Griff is thinking because Etwan was an easy, easy thing to do. People wanted him. He had value as a shooter. People taking him off your hands. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand it. So I don't, I don't know what they'll do with JJ. They may hold on to JJ through the whole season and, and then just let him go for nothing. Yeah, I, I think you flip him to a playoff contender. You do right by him. And your, you know, your roster that needs obviously developmental time. If they're, I think even if they're in the running for a nine or ten seed, they may flip him. Honestly, yeah, no. no. If they give, if they think, think they're so? gonna make the playoffs, fans won't let it happen. Like Fish, you, you can't agree with submarine me? the fan base. Um, I, I really, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they moved him at the trade deadline, yeah. regardless. Um, because mm-hmm. he, he's, he's in that slot where, uh there's a possibility that you could get a low first round pick for him mm-hmm. because some team is just going to be enamored with the idea of, I mean, JJ Redick is still one of, like, he's just not a good shooter. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA still. Best and if he's still, shooter last year, best. Yeah. And if he's still showing that he's got that and he's still in good shape, some team is, who has decided that this is our moment, we're going to go for the championship. Mm-hmm is going to put a first round pick on the table for Philly. Him. I could see Philly chase him hard. Yeah. Yeah. Do you no, want to so, go to Philly? Well, yeah, he does like Doc. Doc. Yeah. He, he loves he Joel Embiid. I mean, we, we, yeah, I could see it. Okay. I mean, you know, I, I just think that it's going to be in, an incredibly awkward, just the way that this team plays out. And I, my expectation that I think uh, you guys tell me what you think. I've said that I the under right now I think for the Pelicans thirty four, and I think mm-hmm. that's an easy under. I'm 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 I think that's a there. It's not a limbo bar for them. That's what bar they walk under at thirty four. Um, Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I could see 
at the top end, this team could somehow be a seven seed if everything clicks, but definitely could easily be a 11 seed. And I think, you know, at its best, they're going to be hovering around 500. Um, at its worst, I think, you know, they'll be a significantly below that. 34 seems like a low bar because what it's 72 games. Um, yeah. So that to me, that seems about, about right. I would be comfortable betting on them winning 34 games. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think the, I think that's about right for the, for the over under Mark right there. Vegas had him at 35 and a half, five days ago. I made a post I think, on that's it. Insane. A clear cut. Nine. I think that's insane. I think yeah. that's insane. 35 clear. wins seems insane to me. Fish. Clear, clear like, cut. Like nine, I said, though, I mean, Grizzlies were five games off the pace behind Spurs, Timberwolves, uh, six, and then the Kings thundered around it out. Yeah, yeah but surprising. they didn't even have the Rockets on the board on that. Yeah, year. that's right. The Rockets were not on the board. That's right, David. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I'm, I still come back to um, what I said the last time we talked about where the Pelicans are in the West, and that is if Zion and Brandon Ingram are who we say that they are, if they are truly guys that you can say are your tent poles of your franchise and one of these guys is getting a max contract – um, still hasn't been finalized, by the way. They still haven't mm-hmm. reported if it's a um, if if he's got a player option or not. Feeling like it's probably not because if it was a player option, the agent would have already put it out. Um, <clears throat> but he's getting a max contract. Zion Williamson, you know, the first pick in the draft, the you know best prospect since Anthony Davis or LeBron James. Like if those guys are who we think they are, and they're healthy the Pelicans make the playoffs and they should win, I don't know, 40, 41, 42 games. And I, I still think those guys are, and the biggest, the biggest hurdle is health. You think uh, they can go 42 and 30? You think that's possible for this team? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you tell me you're going to get 65 games from Zion and you're going to get 65 games from Steven Adams, I'm going to tell you that, th- that they won 40 to 42 games. Um, now, if one of those guys, if, if if either of those things doesn't happen, if you get, you know, 50 games or less from Steven Adams or Zion Williamson, then, yeah, I mean, I'm pounding the under because mm-hmm. they're they're going to lack the cohesion and the chemistry and things like that to make things happen. And the Pelicans, again, are coming into a season where they're extremely weak um, at the big men positions and heavily reliant on 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 the good health of of their starting power forward and center Um, and undersized in the backcourt overall yeah but i mean i'm looking at that and i'm and and i still come back to the fact that if those guys are who we say they are the pelicans are going to win 42 games that's what that's what superstars do superstars you know how how zion has been sold superstars you screw up in the off season. And so then you have a disappointing playoffs. You don't screw up in the off season, then then completely miss the playoffs. That's not what happens with superstars. I mean, I we saw 500 would be way more like at the, at the high end. I think 500, 12 games over 500. This conference, not the fact that it's a top, it's top heavy, but everybody in there is flawed. All of these teams from, Five down are very flawed, but all have the similar kind of potential. Because if you're in Phoenix, you're saying if our superstars are who we think they are, Devin Booker and Aiton and Chris Paul, and this group is who we think they are, 
we're a team that should win this many games. If John Morant and JJJ and Brandon Clark, who we think they are, then we should win this many games. So to me, anybody outside of that top five winning 42 games in this schedule with this year, that seems all that would just be a stretch to me for anybody outside of those top four or five teams in the West. I, I can see what Fish is thinking because they went 22 and 14 when Ingram and Zion didn't give them a lick anything defensively. I just feel like if they address some of that, get better. I, I can see why Fish is pounding the high that high because he's. I feel like he's right. When you got guys that you know are generational on offense, and if they give you anything a- average defensively. Why? Why is it not possible then? I mean, what has Portland been doing? That's, with, isn't that, you know, but that I think, and Lillard? I think Kevin, would you think? I think that that's if everything goes perfect, not if everything goes as a basketball season. Oh, we're not fishing. Aren't completely realistic here. We're. we're, we're <laughs> I mean, we know what happens Kevin, in New Orleans. I'm asking Kevin. I mean, Fish's scenario is definitely if everything goes perfect in my mind, um, and I think he feels that way as well. Um, right. But I. I. I think you're looking closer at the top. Realistic top end is around 500, maybe a game or two under 500. Um, and and that's what I, I think. And then if catastrophe hits, you have injuries to Lonzo and Bledsoe or one of the two, and you have to rely on some of those young guys or Zion goes down because there's nobody really to play power forward except for Brandon Ingram, because, I mean, you can't play Melly full-time as starters minutes as a, as a power forward. Or if Adams goes down and then you're relying on Hayes or Hernan Gomez again. It's just, uh, you know, a lot of guys that they fit in fine with the roles that they're given. But if you have to give them a bigger role, it, it really disrupts the flow of the whole team. And I just don't see how to recover from significant loss of time from – either Lonzo, Bledsoe, Zion, or Ingram, uh, and, and Adams as well, because, you know, it's just... I don't want people Yeah, I don't want people to think I'm shitting on this team. I'm just saying I think that the margin for error is so thin. Mm-hmm. Like, Agreed. the upside is, is there, yes. But the margin for error that, that David Griffin has given them... We learned that last year, right, right, David? You're not, out of, you're not coming out of left field here. We saw it last year, and what they do to improve the bench this year. Nothing. Nothing. They added three free agents that have no veteran real leadership, right? Thornwell, Gabriel, and Hernan Gomez. So well, that's the thing is, I think you, we got to, uh, you know, really push that. It's clear that winning is next year's goal more mm-hmm. than this year's goal because right. that Adams move was clearly get him in the building, then lock him up. But because of his salary, they are handicapped with what they can do until it, it gets dropped down to 17 million a year. Um, so that's the way you really have. And then you figure out Bledsoe. Yeah, I fully agree, Kev. Yeah. We didn't really talk about the Bledsoe deal. Fish, I mean, like for Bledsoe, what do you do if you really like him and you want him to stay too? Like there's these decisions become. Well, what, he has seen, years, right? he has, I, he has I mean, he has, he has two more. years and then, um, this year, next year, and then the, fo- right. the third year, it's His partially option. guaranteed. Partially guaranteed. Um, yeah. I, I fully expect he will finish this season with the Pelicans. Um, the earliest reasonably that I, I, I would see him moved is next offseason, 2021 summer. 
Um, and that would be if somebody comes available, un unexpected comes available on the trade market and the Pelicans decide, you know, we did really well this season and we want to take the next step and we're going to cash in some of these future pick trade chips. Um, that would be a situation like if the Pelicans ended up winning, I don't know, like let's say they won 39 games and they finished in 10th and they won the first game, but then they lost the second game and the Suns are the team that ended up with the ninth, with the eighth seed situation like that, where they made it to the playoffs. Williamson and, and Ingram look like they are who we thought they were. Um, but now the trade comes along and they can, they can make a trade for, another big uh, you know another big salary guy then that's that's a situation where Bledsoe's salary is is useful his, his his cap number is useful in obtaining somebody like that relatively simply um that that would be the situation i would expect um but i i don't expect i would be shocked if the pelicans um if Bledsoe plays out his full three years on this contract and even more shocked if he actually ends up re-signing in New Orleans. He's probably going to be here for a year to two years. Um, that, a that transitional would be my player. Expectation. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense that way. For two years. I, I think he's here for two years, and then in that third year, you would hope that Nikhil or Kyra are ready to take take over that position, and then you move on from him and add, you know, uh, something else with, with that $17 million salary. Um, so I, I really do think he's here for two years. No, I was under incredible. Well, I'm impressed. Impression. I wouldn't think you guys would have thought that because I think he's going to be moved within this year, either trade deadline or definitely in free agency. He's not going to make a pass this year. I think it depends on what the injury situation looks like. Like, I think if the Pelicans are able to be healthy, then I don't see any reason for them to move Bledsoe. Because at least then you have some, you want some consistency to get through the season. So if they remain healthy, I don't think, you know, you try to shake it up. But if there are injuries, they have very pieces, veteran pieces outside of Reddick um, and Bledsoe to move. So those would be the guys that if you have to really fill something, if, if Ingram gets hurt, and you need somebody to come in and play to make that a legitimate NBA team on the floor, then yeah, then Bledsoe to me would move up on the trade. But I think they want to get through this year with as little movement as possible. That's just my gut. Yeah. No, that 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 makes a lot of sense. They wanna they wanna see what they have both with the roster and how how does the roster fit with Stan Van Gundy and then um, come back and evaluate. And that, the, I mean, they, with the amount of draft assets they have to potentially move um, mm -hmm. and they're not terribly locked in cap wise um, um, for, for next actions um, in terms of how, how they would move forward. And I think this season is going to be a lot of evaluation. And then, like I said, just a lot of Brandon Ingram and, and Zion Williamson, not to say it's like put up or shut up time, but welcome to the big leagues. Are you guys ready for this? Absolutely. Guys, um, I think we've gone long enough. Do do you anyone does anyone have any final thoughts before we sign out tonight? I don't think so. 
I, right. I would like to. Um, yeah, go ahead. We, we do have the, the Pelicans, um, Stan Van Gundy and da- David Griffin are expected to have their media availability tomorrow right. morning. Yeah. Um, On Monday. Could, yeah, tomorrow morning. Well, when most people are listening to this today. Yeah, I'm um, saying Monday. Who knows when they'll be hearing it. <laughs> yeah, and then um, – you know, throughout this week, we should um, get more reports. We'll get to hear how much muscle or weight somebody's put on or put off. I just want to say before we hear any of that, um, Thanksgiving was four days ago. So I don't believe any idea of somebody putting on. Yeah, somebody put on 15 pounds in the past week. That's turkey. That's mac and cheese. And the first uh, half of the schedule is supposed to be released this week. From exactly. What I and that's as well. the other big thing is the first half of the schedule is going to be released. And I feel like the Pelicans are in a situation where they would rather face teams that are more playoff teams. And then you want to save as many of those teams that are trying to right now they're entering the season with, Oh, we're going to compete for a playoff spot that, you know, in the second half of the season, they're going to be, looking at it in a different light and they're going to be saying, man, that 2021 class is looking really good. Let's, let's put the brakes on all that competing right now. So the pod travel is going to depend on a lot of this though, the way that yeah, they try to move these teams on a night to night basis. Yeah. And I mean, the really Pel- they have already come out with like who the Pelicans are going to play. And we already know that they're not, their um, their schedule is favorable in the fact that they only have road games against the Pacific Division once, the whole sp- Pacific Division. Um, so they only have one. They probably only have like two. This is the worst home team trips. in the NBA, though. They, well, like, yeah, but this time there's going to be no pressure because nobody's going to be there. Yeah, so I mean, it's like the, the locations really don't matter. They got to prove they can win somewhere because mm-hmm. the, they weren't a good the road team. They weren't a good road team. The locations matter to me because those late games kick my butt. One <laughs> o'clock. I'm just time. saying for the team itself, it's like the Pelicans. If we're going by history with this team, home establishing home court to me at some point, even if there are no people there, at some point mm-hmm. they have to be at least a 500 team at home, and I don't think they've been that since the year they made the playoffs. How yeah, ironic I mean, is it? How ironic is it that Fish is upset about late starts? Yeah, it causes us to have nothing but late starts. But yeah, I mean, so hopefully we'll pod, you know, this time next week, next weekend, and we'll have a schedule to discuss. Um, we'll have, hey, they might measure Nikhil Alexander Walker and say he's six foot seven now. Yeah. So at the rate he's been growing. So um, that, that will be good. Um, hopefully they're not going to tell us that Zion Williamson weighs 315 pounds. Um, they tell and, us even if he did. <laughs> and then, and then you, yeah, I mean, I mean, well, it's happening fast. I mean, this time next weekend, we're going to be a week out from their first preseason game. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'll just to. let everybody know that David Griffin's talking Monday, 1 p.m. Central, and then Stan Van Gundy, 1.30. And I think this whole week is supposed to act as media day. But, of course, you can't talk to everybody all one day through Zoom. So I think they're going to stay as stagger it where we'll talk to players, um, several players, probably each day this week after Monday, of course. Just go ahead and put your hand up, Ollie, now, because then yeah, we might get a right? chance to ask a question. Make sure you know that what restaurants they like. That's the most important thing. Did they get to meet Drew Brees yet? <laughs> <That's fun. laughs> He's around. Hey, Kyra, what's your 40 time? <laughs> no, that's very been asked. 
That's very bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So I'm gonna let you go. Let's get back to it. Uh, a sim- except for fish, the rest of us have to go actually do work tomorrow. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, have a good week off. <laughs> yeah, I will. Learn to put your kids to bed. <laughs> so for Kevin Berrios, David Fisher, and Ali Cosell, I am David Grubb. This is The Bird Calls. Please make sure that you subscribe and you rate us whatever platform that you listen to. And uh, uh, make sure that you go visit uh, thebirdrights.com for all of our great content there as well. Until the next time. In the words of Preston Ellis, who we miss and hope that we get to have back on here at some point in the future. Let's go, Pelts. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today